Hello, I'm Ken Taylor. And I'm John Perry. Coming up right after the news, it's Philosophy Talk. So what's our topic this week, John? Terrorism. What's there to discuss about terrorism? Terrorism is evil. Terrorists are mean, nasty, ugly people. Round them all up. Well, they're not all mean and nasty, ugly people. A lot of them are children these days. And where do we draw the line between a freedom fighter and a terrorist? Is terrorism even the sort of thing you can declare war against? Is terrorism really worse than other forms of warfare? It's loaded with philosophy. Oh, you're right, Don. You're right. You're always right. Uh, Philosophy Talk continues after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the show that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Today we're talking about the philosophical issues, notice I say philosophical, not political issues, behind terrorism. Our discussion originates from the studios of KALW Information Radio for San Francisco. We like to imagine ourselves sitting in a circle at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Ah, Philosopher's Corners, John, that uh, peaceful place where elevated yellow refers only to the bright sunlight we bask in down there. Now, you know, John, I know uh, it seems to me there's a pretty simple thing to say about terrorism. You know, terrorism is the killing of innocent civilians or something like that, and that's bad. It's always bad. It's just unqualifiedly bad. What else is there to say? Well... There's always something for philosophers to say with any issue, Ken, and and a good place is usually uh, uh, a good place to start is usually with a definition. Now, terrorism, as it's used today in modern journalism and so forth, usually uh, includes three elements. First, it's usually a non-state actor that's involved. Now, that's a little odd because the term terrorism really originated with the French Revolution yeah, and the, the reign of terror. terror yeah. but, but now it's a non-state actor. So you might think that Truman's bombing Hiroshima was a terrible thing and killed innocents and was designed to terrorize Japanese into uh, surrendering. You might think that, but it wouldn't qualify as terrorism. Second thing is there's usually a political agenda. So uh, uh, an ordinary garden variety mass murderer like uh, son of, serial killer like Son of Sam, who as far as I know didn't have a political agenda, is not a terrorist. And finally, not only do innocents have to be killed, but they have to be killed intentionally. They have to be targeted, not just collateral oh, damage. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I, I have a hard time getting it. So, and they're supposed to be, if it's collateral damage, it's not as bad as if it's the die through terrorism. You know, but I, I don't really get this. Why does it matter if it's the army who kills you, you're an innocent bystander, the army kills you, or if a terrorist kills you? It's still bad. This is just distinctions we make every day in common sense, though, Ken. I mean, suppose I come in. Uh, to my house, and you're there, and you're high on drugs, and you've got a lethal weapon, and you're going to kill me. I draw my gun, and I kill you. Self-defense, no problem. Suppose I kill you, the bullet goes through the wall and kills an innocent person next door. Well, self-defense, unforeseeable consequence, no problem. Suppose I pull my howitzer, shoot it through you, and it destroys the department next door. Foreseeable consequence, negligence, start of a problem. Yeah. I draw my gun, and you've got a hostage. I, I can't kill you without killing her. So I kill you both. I shoot right through her into you. Foreseeable consequence maybe a big problem. Depends on whether it's justified. But that's collateral damage. I would have avoided hitting her if I could. Finally, 
you've got a hostage. I look at the hostage. I don't like her looks either, so I shoot her. And, and that's me, just I that's targeting oh, that's an innocent. Bad. I see what you mean. So this is just common sense. Yeah, you're right. It's it, it's it, that's a good distinction, you know. But I uh, people think that terrorism is always bad. It's kind of kind of the worst form of never never morally justifiable warfare. But I don't quite get that yet from what you just said. I mean, you can imagine being an upper middle class white guy, not just some funny looking guy from the Middle East or something like that, an upper middle class white guy who who wants to use terrorism to try to stop an unjust war. That's, that's the criterion, that if an upper-middle-class white guy does it, it's probably okay? No, no. I'm glad to hear that. you say that. No, Ken. it's not that's just that. that. No, but our roving philosophical reporter, Amy Standen, spoke with an activist from the 60s who was indeed ready to turn to terrorism, or violence anyway, to stop a war. She uh, files this report. Peace now! Peace now! Peace now! Peace it's the late now, 1960s. War is raging in Vietnam, sending home, in one year alone, 14,000 American boys in coffins. The evening news shows entire villages burning to the ground in Southeast Asia. Everywhere, it seems, the world is in turmoil. The Tet Offensive began in Vietnam in January of 68. That whole year, 1968, was just an exploding year. There was one kind of explosion after another. At the time, Bill Ayers was a founding member of the Weather Underground, a radical 60s group. Beginning with the Tet Offensive, including the murders of Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy, demonstrations at Columbia University and in Paris, the demonstrations at the Olympics in Mexico City, the demonstrations in the streets of Czechoslovakia, one thing after another, the world was in flames. And here I was, here we were, waking up from what had been essentially a, an exercise in sleepwalking. For Ayers and other Weather Underground members, world events had reached a critical pitch. He felt he had to do something. In 1969, a group of us began to build what we thought of as a kind of underground railroad, the capacity to survive repression, the capacity to fight back against the military, against the government. We thought that we were living inside the kind of belly of the beast. Our question to ourselves was, how do you stop a war? We've already convinced the majority of the American people that it's wrong. How do you then stop it? We increased our sense of urgency and we increased our sense that we could build a capacity to survive this impending fascism and even in the spirit of the Underground Railroad, take the fight to them. And so that's what we tried to do. They didn't get far. In 1970, a weather underground plan to bomb an army social in Fort Dix backfired horribly, killing three of the bomb makers, including Ayers' girlfriend. After that, the group's members scattered, on the run from the FBI, popping up from time to time in a string of small bombings that lasted through the 70s. Ayers won't say exactly how he spent those years, but he describes an increasing sense of desperation. It was a palpable sense that we had within us, those of us who saw ending the war as our vocation, that every day we failed, which was every day, 2,000 more people would be killed. And in that sense, there was a sense of not only urgency, but a growing sense of despair and uncertainty of what would become of the world. There was a sense that violence was all around us, that we were living in a cocoon of violence. None of us felt that we were choosing violence. We felt that we were choosing to respond to the violence around us. There was no possibility of a non-response. There was no way to be neutral. 
Today, you often hear the Weather Underground described as a band of terrorists. But to Bill Ayers at the time, there was simply no other choice. The Weather Underground never did kill anyone, apart from those three of its own members. But what if they had? What if violence had worked, ended the war, brought the nation to its senses? Would it have been worth it? For Philosophy Talk, this is Amy Standen. You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.